You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to another March edition of the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Minnick. Of course, I'm joined by Michael Rogner. We are drinking our Guinness tonight because we are coming off a last-second win over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, uh, the first win in the Joyce Center ever. I, 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 I don't know. It was, it was a, a roller coaster of a, of a game and, and one in which we led for only – 19 total seconds so uh talk about snatching victory from the jaws of defeat uh, michael how, how was your night last night i was pretty happy for 19 seconds and and afterwards the you know if we if we were to you know put a leonard hamilton game into a time capsule this is the type of game that that you'd go in there. I mean, I mean, you could put in like the Dulcas game against North Carolina, or you know, or winning the the ACC title a few years ago. But it's this type of game that that really, you know, kind of illustrates how uh, you know a, a, a Leonard Hamilton team goes. You know, and the, the, these guys were down thirteen; they were never hanging their head. Everything was was going against them. All these 50-50 balls were getting weird bounces and ended up with Notre Dame. There was that one a block shot off the backboard, goes through a Florida State player's hands, ends up with Notre Dame, and they make a three. You know, there's just a lot of weird stuff going on. And they never hung their head. They just kept battling one possession at a time. And sure enough, you get down to the end of the game and, and your senior takes over and, and it's good night, Notre Dame. 
Yeah, it was it was Trent Fort two games in a row. Trent Forrest making the shot, the the would be game winner. I, I understand that Clemson came back and and had had their own game winner right after Forrest, but two games in a row where the senior point guard says, "I got it. I, I give give me the just just give me give me the ball. I got it." Um, and so, you know, and we'll definitely talk about Trent Trent later on. We're we're gonna we're gonna recap the Notre Dame game in full talk about Trent Forrest and, and his, his magnificent career. We're also going to dig into a little bit of the championship week madness that has already started and who Florida State fans should be rooting for. And, of course, we're going to preview the Boston College game on, on senior day down in Tallahassee coming up on Saturday. But first, let's start with, with the Notre Dame game. And I, I don't – I'll be honest and say I didn't go back and listen to the pod. I did go back and rewatch the Notre Dame game. I didn't go back and listen to our previous pod. I feel like I was really close to 73 to 71. I don't know if someone uh, can check that maybe in the – I feel like I maybe nailed that, but could have been a point off. I'll also confirm – I have to give some credit where credit's due – uh, Aria Masudi, who we've talked about before, he's the voice of women's basketball. But we talk to him a lot off off the pod, and he he's just a good good knowledge of of hoops over at the Osceola. He he texted me just before the game and and said, "I'm feeling a buzzer beater. We haven't had one this year, and and every great team has a has a buzzer beater at some point." So got a tip of the cap to him. But Michael, we both predicted wins. I don't think either one of us would have said that we would have. Uh, just a 5.5% win probability with, with 9.02 left in the game, trailing by 13. It felt to me a little bit like the Louisville game, except for our run didn't start as early. Like in the Louisville game, we got down by 11 or 12 early in the second half, and we started that run with about 15 minutes to go in the game. This one came with about eight and some change left, but it, it, it's a it's a continuation of a trend where peak FSU and and look you don't see peak FSU all the time just like you don't see peak Kansas all the time or peak Baylor all the time or or anybody but when peak FSU this year hits you with a couple of uh, haymakers boy they can they can close a gap and extend or extend a lead in a hurry and and it just seems like teams don't quite know what they're a bit shell shocked when that happens. And this one came courtesy of, of MJ Walker. Yeah. I, 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 I made myself promise that I was not going to talk about Ham's two foul participation. So uh, even, even though um, MJ Walker sat for most of the first half, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going there. So second half uh, MJ Walker, uh, didn't he get called for some interesting fouls? That was kind of weird. Like he, he, you know, it was like the this is a total left turn. But but there's always someone in the game who kind of is the victim of some bad calls. And and I and I kind of felt like MJ Walker was that guy this time around. And I I think it you know one it kind of took him out of his game a little bit, especially early. But once he got his feet under him, you know maybe that was maybe that was a little you know extra. Uh, you know, in, in his tank, knowing knowing that that he he was not going to get any favors from the ref, and his team really needed to do something. And then, yeah, he hit those threes. He had some drives. He he w- was the the difference maker in, in the second half. Um, 
and was also, you know, kind of key defensively during that long run that, that Notre Dame had where they couldn't score. I think they went from, you know, what, about like 10, 10 minutes in the game until uh, something under uh, under three. Under and three, they, yeah. Yeah, they made, way, made one bucket in, in that whole uh, – you know in that whole time we were kind of we were kind of sw- switching in and out bigs we had dom in there for a while and then went back with with malik um but our 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 perimeter players were finally kind of kind of getting some disruption you know we see that a lot in florida state games you anybody can play with florida state for 30 minutes it's those last 10 minutes that you know that often uh, things tend to go awry and Notre Dame was not playing very many guys and suddenly their threes were not falling Florida State was catching them in transition they were disrupting them um, you know just keeping them out of out of running uh, what had been pretty simple offense all night suddenly Florida State was was there and, and you know MJ Walker had a had a big role in that so kudos to him he, he was uh, you know definitely the player of the game despite you know Trent's you know, obvious heroics there at the end. Yeah. Yeah. No, MJ Walker. What, what, it's funny. It's funny. We had one of the, one of the uncommon loser team Ken Palm MVP awards. I think it went to hub and, and frankly could, could be well-deserved uh, hub hub certainly had a, a hell of a game. And, and I'm a little bit scared that that kid's only a sophomore because boy, it seems like he, he likes to play against uh, Florida state Seminoles. So, We've, and, and he's, he's only 6'3", so maybe he could eventually get a look from the NBA, particularly if he gets his three-point shooting up a bit higher. But it's not a guy who's going to be a one-and-done. You know, he's not one-and-done. He's a sophomore. He's not going to be two-and-done. He's probably not even going to be three-and-done. So, unfortunately, we have quite a few more games against him. But, yeah, no, Walker had – he had the three at the – let's see. He had the three at the 842 mark. He had a couple free throws. He had another three at the 655 mark. Yeah, three at the 626 mark, and then he had the layup at the 507 mark. And so, again, it goes from 61 to 51 at the 726 uh, right, right before a couple of free throws. And, and MJ Walker personally makes it 63 to 51 just two minutes later. And those are just the kind of runs that you just can't – I think you talk about when teams have a hard time in the last 10 minutes, some of that – absolutely is tired legs and you see jumpers start to be missed but some of that is tired minds and when when an athlete of any sport starts to get fatigued mentally they they fall back on poor habits and they and they quit they they basically quit doing the the things that required the focus and attention that made them successful in the first place so the rotation might be a tad off that extra pass isn't made. You saw uh, Mooney kind of fumble the ball there on an open layup that he would have had. And those, those are signs of a, worn, of a mentally fatigued team. And that is often the case because Florida State just is relentless in terms of just waves coming at you all game long. And, and, and then they throw a haymaker where they, they make up a 10-point deficit in two minutes and, and you're sort of stunned there we've, we've seen it several times this year and it certainly played out that way um so walker walker the big the big game and we've talked man when you get good mj walker to go along with with trent who was you know trent did finish 7 of 13 on the night that's a that's a good night he was able to get into the paint added seven rebounds to it 
Vassell had 13 points on just nine shots, and he didn't even make a three, so he was doing a lot of damage inside the, uh, inside the paint. And when you get Walker, Vassell, and Forrest all, all playing well, it's, it's a really tough team to beat, and, and, and don't underestimate how hard Notre Dame is to beat in uh, the Purcell Pavilion. And, and this is a Notre Dame team that shot – they made 11 threes, so it's, it's not like they played poorly uh, and Florida State was still able to get the job done. What, what did you think for the second game in a row, this, the second uh, game against Notre Dame this year, Florida State turned them over plus – you know, 22% of the time, 22, 23% of the time. And, and this is a Notre Dame team that quite honestly, against everybody else, doesn't turn the ball over. What, what, would, what did you think was the, the just sort of the, what, what allowed that to happen? Yeah, so Notre Dame, you, you mentioned they're, I think, second in the country now and, and not turning it over. And yeah, it they simply don't turn the ball over. We, right, yeah. We, we played them in the tournament. What was that, like? 2011 2011 yeah we were like yeah and and just completely shut them down to the point where they were fighting with each other and and you know we we didn't rattle this team you know that that badly but you can see it in their body language you know it it gets uncomfortable you know playing against Florida State and as you mentioned you get dead legs you get a tired mind and and that's when uh Notre Dame is making some bad decisions and they just, they just, they just got uncomfortable. They don't have, they don't have enough guys um, at least that, that he's, that he's willing to play. Um, I don't, I don't don't know how it is that he always ends up with, with these teams that, that only have, um, you know, seven guys or whatever, whatever that can play. Especially when you have six top 100 recruits on the team. (laughs) They have eight by by my by my count. Oh, um, sorry, eight. And, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and, and you know, and Florida State has four. Uh, so I, I don't know, I don't know what he's doing with with his roster, but some of these guys just aren't prepared. I in the uh, in the post game, he had a, a great quote where he said that there were fifteen NBA scouts and in, in, in attendance, and uh, none of them were there to see his guys. <laughs> Which yeah. you know, probably not the thing you want to you want to say in front of your players, but it's that'll it's get also, recruits. Let me tell you, <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 also accurate, you know. And you and you could you could see that in the second half, um, you know, when 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 Florida State was was making that big run. And ter- in terms of the turnover question, you know, I I don't think that we did anything special, uh, you know, to turn them over. We we. Uh, actually turned them over more in the first half. I think we had like eight turnovers in the first half and seven in the second half. Uh, but, you know, it's just that consistent pre- pressure that comes from playing the press that we play. A lot of, a lot of people kind of question, like, why are, we, why are we pressing so much when it often just doesn't lead anywhere? You know, it's just sort of token pressure. Uh, but, you know, that stuff wears on you. And, and when guys are flying around like Patrick Williams and Devin Vassell and, and MJ Walker, who are all big, long, fast guys, athletic, you know, it just it just wears you down just trying to make simple passes. And that's that's the whole point of, of running a press like that is that cumulative pr- uh, pressure that that builds up over the game, um, you know, and, and ends up. Uh, you know, resulting in kind of that that late run that we saw Florida State make. 
Yeah, I love it. I, I am a huge, I always have been, it's been one of my favorite things about uh, having Leonard Hamilton as the coach now for what, 17, 18 years. And I, I love the token pressure that can occasionally turn into real pressure. Uh, and, and when we say token pressure, we mean that, look, sometimes all, all it's going to be is one guy who is sort of shadowing or, or putting a little bit of pressure on the ball handler coming up the court, not, not intending to create a turnover, not intending to create a, a backcourt violation, although we have seen one-man backcourt violations uh, created by Florida State this year. Polite, I think, has a couple of those. But it is, it, it, it is the cumulative effect of that ball handler and the play just – it's, it's that kind of like, are you kidding me? I, I can't even just, just get into the offense without you sort of being in front of me. It's, you know, it's just, please just let me, let me just set up the offense. And it, and it reminds me very much for, for folks who are listening to this, who maybe football is their first sport. It's, it's the same thing as even when you're not getting sacks, if you're, if you're hitting the QB play after play, if, 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 on on dropbacks, if you're getting him to the ground, if they're running some option, you're hitting him even after he's made the pitch, and you hit the QB eight, nine, ten times. After a while, he starts to look for where the defender is coming uh, to get rid of the ball, and that is when interceptions happen. Uh, and and it's the same thing in basketball. It's just it's just this frustration of I just want to run the offense. And and you heard Chris Mack say it a couple games ago. Uh, and he's not the first coach that no, you just can't run what you want to run against Florida state. We just don't let you get comfortable and just set up and run your set. So uh, it's, it's a tactic that has proven effective over the years. And, and this year when we really don't have that eraser at the rim and we're kind of a boom or bust defense, it's been particularly effective at, at enabling Florida state to, to generate uh, uh, wins at a clip that is far exceeding the expectations of, of most folks. Uh, let me ask you just a couple more players here before we move on. I, I thought early in the game, Dom looked to me someone who he was three for four. He even stepped out and hit, hit maybe a 16 foot jumper. And I thought he did some good stuff early that really uh, kept Florida state in it and maybe frustrated Mooney a little bit. Uh, what what did you see out of out of the other senior Big Dom? Yeah, it's nice to get some offense out of him. You know, he does he doesn't uh, he, he doesn't look to score a whole lot. You know, we don't we don't look to get, go to him a lot. But it's it's pretty clear that in the last I'd say three three and a half games that Hamilton is 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 really focusing on scoring in the paint. Um, and, and part of that was going through Dom and he, he, he had the one, I think it was like a hook shot from like 14 feet or something that, that was, that was his one missed shot. But, but other than that, he was, he was right there. He made three or four scored six points. He's had, uh, you know, several, uh, nice games kind of down the, down the stretch. He, he had uh, seven against Clemson, you know, he's, he didn't score a, a bunch against, uh, Louisville, but he, but he played some good minutes. Uh, he didn't really play against NC State. He had he had good games against Pitt and against Syracuse. So it seems like he is uh, becoming a little more comfortable in his in his role. You know, it's it's different from you know when you're when you're coming from as a as a grad transfer. You know, you've you've been playing in one system or in his case two systems. Uh, you know, so so all this stuff is just kind of new to him, and it's nice to see him at the end of the year 
he's he's you know clearly one of these guys who is peaking um you know at the, at the right at the right time of the year and you know not everybody on the roster is going to do that but 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 he's doing it so you know that yeah for sure that is good to see and he's got he's got to be pumped about playing on a team you know after spending his first year at Drake and then playing at Ole Miss he's got to be pumped about being on a on a team this successful and he seems to enjoy being around the guys i he's he's one of those types that you know, you kind of wish, God, I wonder, I wonder what he'd have been like with four years under Stan Jones as opposed to his, his, the journey that he's taken. Uh, you know, he's never going to be the above-the-rim athlete that, that someone like uh, Kamaji was. But uh, you, you do wonder, what, what could that have been? But even with this year, he's shown growth, he's shown development. And to your point, I mean, that's a guy who, when you're playing in the NCAA tournament and let's say uh, round two and the elite eight, when, when you're, you're on 36 or so hours rest uh, it, it's, it's the big stage. It's, it's emotionally draining. It's physically draining to be able to get 12, 14 minutes out of a guy like big Dom to come in and, and, and bang around a bit, put some pressure on the other teams big. It's, that's that's good stuff and and you know he doesn't have the highest re, uh, rebounding numbers but I'll tell you what he does he really clears space he he boxes out he clears space in the lane and that allows a guy like Trent Forrest to come in and grab seven rebounds it allows Patrick Williams to grab seven or Devin Vassell to have four defensive rebounds and frankly I'd rather Forrest or Vassell get the rebound anyways because then you can start the break faster, right? What what better way to start the break than Trent, Trent Forrest grabbing a, a long rebound and already is halfway up the court? So, yeah, tip of the cap to, to Dom, and I hope we see him continue to improve over the next few weeks. Uh, speaking of Patrick Williams, the, what I did want to ask about him too, because in the game, and you know, you're watching it live or down 13, you're probably saying cuss words to yourself or or not to yourself, and I didn't know he, – he didn't really flash to me, Patrick Williams. And he had five points. He missed the only threes that he took. Uh, he, he did have a couple of nice passes to MJ in that stretch. But, uh, you know, but on the rewatch, I, I was impressed. He had a couple of big blocks that – you mentioned one that sort of ended up with a three for Notre Dame anyways. He was disruptive in the passing lanes. He, he grabbed the seven boards. And I, I, he played 32 minutes and I think really just – really just frustrates the opponent on defense. What, what did you see uh, out of Patrick Williams? Yeah, I thought it was in the second half, especially uh, he and Dom and Malik Osborne kind of lump all those guys in together. Did a good job of not switching off of Mooney unnecessarily. You know, a lot of, a lot of times our guys will just, as soon as two players get close together, they'll just switch. But there, there's a little more of an effort in this game for whoever was guarding the ball handler to either get up, get up above or below Mooney and, and keep the current defender on him, which was often Patrick Williams. Uh, I, Florida State did a really good job at that. And, and, and so what that enabled them to do is, you know, get way fewer mismatches down low for Mooney. You know, when you have to make the entry pass over Patrick Williams because he's the one front in the post, it's a whole different ballgame than when you're trying to, you know, pass over Trent or Raekwon Evans or Polite or somebody. You know, so, so Florida State did a great job uh, defending Mooney in the second half, and it was, it was a lot of that was Patrick Williams. You know, Mooney uh, is not a good shooter, but he made two or three threes in the first half. 
And I, you know, I was getting tweets like, how do, how do we guard that guy on the perimeter? And it's just like, well, we don't, right. You just, you you let shitty shooters shoot and see what happens. And sure enough, in the second half, he was 0-3 from deep and, uh, you know, and, and, and And two of them weren't close. Yeah. I don't, I mean, did he even score in in, in the second half? I don't believe he did. Yeah. He was 0 for, he took one shot. He took one shot from inside the three, three point line. Um, Yeah. So. Uh, you know, kudos to Patrick Williams for uh, making his presence, uh, you know, very much felt. I think he played 17 or 18 minutes in the second half, um, you know, despite the fact that he wasn't scoring. Um, I did think that on the last play of the game, you know, Trent goes in, throws up the layup. As I was watching it live, I'm like, oh, Patrick is going to tip this in. Like, that, that's how Florida State is going to score. And, of course, then my mind continues going, and I'm like, okay, he's going to tip it in, and then that ref over there is going to whistle him for going over the back or something. Uh, but that actually didn't happen. He, he mistimed his jump a little bit, so Trent was able to get the ball. But, yeah, he, he played well. So lots of, lots of times, um, you know, guys are not putting up stats. Doesn't mean they had a bad game. Uh, you know, and, and vice versa. You know, some guys, some guys put up pretty good numbers. Doesn't necessarily mean they had a great game. Um, but I would have graded uh, uh, Patrick Williams, you know, pretty highly in, in this game. And, and I'm assuming that the coaches probably did as well. Yeah, no, he's he, he's another guy that he, he's just, you know, he's a freshman. And even that, he's a young freshman. He's, he's I think, a year younger than most in his class. So I, for anybody who's expecting um, him to just, you know, he's not Vernon Carey. He's not Zion, right? He's not a top three freshman. He is a top 20 freshman. And this is, you know, not even that, really, maybe 25. And this is what you get in consistency. But he is he has certainly turned the corner the last month or so. And and, and as you said, is, is impacting games besides just being a scorer, although he did have a pretty damn sweet uh, NBA mid-range pull-up jumper there in the first half that I'm sure those 15 scouts took some notes on. Uh, quick tip of the cap to Malik Osborne. for he, he went 0 for 3 at the Clemson game from the free throw line, and you, know, you lose a game by one point, you feel like 0 for 3 could have been you had something to do with it. But he, he made two huge free throws late in this game to keep Florida State tight, you know, traded free throws there, and that was big. So tip of the cap of him. But then you mentioned Trent Forrest just a minute ago, and, of course, we can't talk about this game without talking about the senior Trent Forrest. Um, just I, let, me, let me forget this game. The, tip, the, the shot at the end is great. Like he gets his own miss and puts it back. And then not only that, he doesn't celebrate, and he totally walls off uh, the net was it hub who was coming up court and, and makes him go side to side and, and puts up a much more difficult shot than it would have been at the half court line. It still almost went in, but let me throw something at you, Michael. So Trent Forrest, when we think about what he's meant to this program, he, he had a really nice post on, I think on Instagram or something today of just a great letter that he wrote sort of to the program and to the fans and his journey here, you know, he's from Chipley. His cousin is amply a Florida State legend in his own right. You know, you never could imagine that Trent might leave a bigger legend or legacy than Amp Lee. But, you know, depending on how this run in March goes, that very well could be possible. Before, before Trent Forrest set foot on campus, right, before he, he stepped to Florida State as a player, I guess, for the first time, I'm sure he came and watched his uh, uncle, Florida State had four twenty-five plus win seasons, four seasons in their basketball history in which they won 25 or more games, three of which, by the way, were exactly 25. 
Uh, that was 1993, 2009, and 2012, all won exactly 25. Uh, the, the 72 Final Four team won 28. Trent Forrest has now been a part of – this is 25 wins in three out of the four years that he has been suiting up for the Garnet and Gold and been a point guard. So four before he came to campus, three of his four years are 25-plus wins, and the one year that wasn't was an Elite Eight team. That, that team only won 23, and, and they went to the Elite Eight. What, what kind of – I mean, when you think about that legacy, I, I don't know. What, is that, is that, did you expect this when Trent Forrest you know, signed? He was a blue-chip recruit, but just think about your experience watching him over the years and, and how you've seen him grow. What, is, is, this, is this the Trent Forrest you hope to see all along? Yeah, we've seen we've seen a lot of guys come into the program and and you know kind of lumped into that combo guard category, and you you never really know what to expect. You know, Trent was a prolific scorer in high school. You know, he he played at a at a small school for for one, but still, you know, he scored I think over three thousand points and, and and just crazy score. But then if you go back to that freshman year, you know, so you're you're expecting this guy to come in and kind of be be a you know. A, a, Rattan Mays maybe kind of kind of player where he's a scorer first and a and a player second and you know he comes in his freshman year and he averages you know under five points a game uh, but he averages like almost three rebounds and this is only in like 15 minutes of play you know three rebounds and and one one point six assists and and over a steal per game and it's like you could see back then even though he couldn't shoot you could see back then that this is this is a guy that that is coming in with the reputation as a big time scorer and he doesn't care you know he's he's just there to win games and do what it takes uh, and if you're a coach you know that that is your dream to get 13 guys just like that that are willing to do whatever it takes to win games and not not worry about you know all that ancillary crap that comes with with you know the pressure of being a division one basketball player and so you know, I think the development that we've seen with with him over the year, uh, it's if you go back to his freshman year, it's a total surprise where he ended up. But after you watch that freshman year, you could kind of see it coming. You, you know, you could see that he, he he's a special player and and he he belongs. You know, his jersey belongs in the rafters. I mean, he's he is. Uh, you know, one more steal, and he'll be second all-time at FSU, behind only Charlie Ward. He's fourth right now all-time in assists. You know, he's a he's a thousand-point scorer. He's he's actually in the in the top twenty-five all-time at Florida State in rebounds. I mean, who? who I, I don't think I don't think many people would get would guess that because you know he's not a big-time rebounder, but he but he's just solid and consistent and. You know, he's played a hell of a lot of games here. <laughs> he's played a lot of games, yeah, exactly. And and uh, you know, if you if you listen to to Cy Coach Young, you know he thinks that Trent's going to be in the NBA for a, for a long time, and I, I hope he's right. You know, Trent is uh, about the easiest guy in the world to root for. Um, so it, it's 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 a pleasure to you know watch watch someone like him you know ha have a career like this and 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 he'll be missed but you know we've got one more game in the tuck and then what you know whatever happens in in, in the postseason and as you said it's it's no uh you know it's no mystery as to why florida state has been so successful you know during his tenure he's just he's just a he's just a hell of a player and and uh it was nice to see him have that 
you know, game winner, you know, at the buzzer, dramatic, you know, kind of keeps Florida State in position for a two seed and, and to win the ACC. So, yeah, hats off to Trent. Yeah, it's, it's that the, the selfless culture that Leonard Hamilton always talks about and strives to create, and, and, and you mentioned this, I mean, it's, it's because of people like Trent Forrest. And, and you know what, Terrence Mann, we could say all the same things about him. And uh, MJ Walker is, is selfless and doesn't uh, care whether or not he gets 20 points or, or two points. And, uh, you know, there's up and down, John Isaac was the same way. And, and Bacon, particularly a sophomore, I mean, Bacon really embraced it. Uh, Michael Ojo, of course, but, but Trent Forrest is probably the quintessential Leonard Hamilton, like combo guard, long you know defense my defensive minded tough plays through pain I mean last year he was playing on a toe that needed surgery after the season and he still takes over the Gonzaga game and almost single-handedly wills Florida State to victory uh and and you go back and watch the Xavier game from from two years ago which which I confess that I probably watched that condensed game on YouTube I don't know like once a month but it's no wonder that we're seeing the success this year. You watch that game, and all it is is, oh, there's, there's sophomore Trent Forrest making, making plays in the second half, get four steals, and you're like, what? What is, what is going on here? There's uh, freshman MJ Walker playing, playing 15 minutes in that game and making plays. You can even see Anthony Polite on the bench cheering him on. And, you know, and of course, Terrence and Biondu, they had big games there too, and, you know, they, they were there last year. But – uh, it's it's just it's been great to see the evolution of this program and and it's really because of guys like let I me mean, Trent Forrest is is the quintessential part of it I'll put you up on the on the you know a spot here and, and we both could gush about both of them all day long but if you had to if 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 they're both going to be Hall of Famers, they're both going to have their jersey in the Florida State rafters, but you had to put one of them first and then do the other one the next year. Are you going to vote for Trent Forrest or Terrence Mann? Oh, man, that is a tough one, but it may just be a recency thing, but but I'll take Trent. I, I, they both – they're you know, they're similar style of player, even though they're, you know, very – in a, in a very different ways, if that makes sense. So they're, they're both, you know, out there doing all of the little things, even though their skill sets are different, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so, so yeah, they were, they were uh, both fun to watch. I, th- I thought that man had the uh, ability to, you know, maybe be that guy a little bit more on, on offense and Trent has the uh, the ability to, to kind of run the team and, 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 and control the, the, the you know kind of steer the ship and play defense and and you know I I just I, I really enjoy watching that guy play yeah I I think I, <laughs> I don't know I'm a huge Terrence Mann fan and by the way he is doing some great things out in the farm league for the Clippers if the Clippers didn't have a team of all-stars man would probably be making his presence felt in the NBA right now he had a near triple double in the G League the other day but I I think I'm gonna go for let me say this, maybe ask me again in, in three weeks, but I think Forrest has, has the potential to really do something special for us this year. And, and that Gonzaga game last year where he's playing on one leg, one, you know, and still just, just, I don't know if, if he can do anything close to that in the NCAA tournament this year, Florida state's going to be an awfully, awfully difficult team to beat, uh, which, which 
you know, hey, that could get your jersey in the rafters sooner rather than later. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk uh, championship week and then the Boston College game. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. We, we are back. I, I thought about it some more. I still can't decide. Trent Forrest, Terrence Mann, I just say yes. Give me both of them on all my teams and I would be happy. But uh, so championship week is upon us, or two weeks, if you will, because the big boys don't really play until later next week. You know, Florida State still has a game this Saturday. The ACC tournament is not till next week. But there are a lot of uh, smaller, low-major uh, conference championships games that are going to be taking place this weekend and into the Monday-Tuesday time frame. So, Michael, what what is – as we look at Florida State, prop – like can't really be much lower than a three seed at this point and probably feeling good about itself on the two seed line for the NCAA tournament. What should Florida state be rooting for Florida state fans as they tune in and start to watch some of this March madness that's playing out in the smaller conferences? Yeah. So if you, if you look at those teams that are, that are down at the bottom of the bracket, you know, sort of the 13s through the 16s, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of 12s that are thrown in there. It's, it's all of the teams um, that we're interested in are all the teams that, that are slotted in after the last at large, um, you know, which is usually a 12 seed. So everybody else is in because they won, they won their conference tournament. Um, you know, it's not always the best team from the conference. If you, you got to cut down the nets in your, in your own conference tournament to make it into the, you know, and, and into the, uh, into the big dance. And so you, so you want, for if, if you're heading into the tournament and you're about to play a 15 seed or maybe a 14 seed, you, you want as much chaos in these small tournaments as you, as you can get because the, the more that pool is, is uh, weakened, you know, the weaker opponent that Florida State is going to get. You know, the, 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 the best teams are going to kind of rise up and be 12s and 13s. Um, and, you know, and then we just want a lot of, a, a lot of, a lot of, you know, slop going into, into those 15 games, into those 15 seed type, type teams. So this is the week for those tournaments. They're super fun to watch, um, especially the finals because the fans are going bananas and the, and the, for the players, it's everything because it's, it's your one chance to play in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, if you go out and win the summit or, you know, or the big West conference or something, I mean, those guys are just going bananas. And so it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. They're super high pressure games, um, you know, and then also you could, you know, it's a way to kind of scout to see who, you know, the, the, the Florida state might be playing. Yeah, I when I reach a point in my life where I, I can, you know, comfortably take off a, a couple weeks or maybe the whole month of March even and, and not have to worry about uh, a job and a career, I definitely think that I, I would love to do a tour around the Midwest and, and uh, even the West and, and go to maybe four or five or six of these conference championship games in, in one week because you're right, the energy, I mean, the this is their moment that they have to win this game in order to go and get their shot at the monumental March madness upset that would put them on the montage video forever. 
And so the energy is just outstanding. I mean, they, they really are, are behind their teams. Is there a team or two or a conference or two that you're particularly interested in that you're saying, oh, man, I mean, you know, none of these 13s, 14s, and 15s are great. Otherwise, they wouldn't be 13s, 14s, and 15s. But, you know, sure would be nice if they get knocked out. We don't have to worry about them. Yeah, the 15s usually, if you look, if you look at Ken Palm, are usually coming from, you know, below 100. And so there, there's, there's some teams in there. Uh, I, 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 I mentioned the Big West. Um, you know, UC Irvine, you know, is, is a team that, that could, be, could be dangerous. They've got a really uh, kind of uh, stout interior defense, and you've got to be able to score. Uh, um, you know, you've got to be able to shoot over the top of them. So, so there are these teams that have kind of these, these one thing that they can do really well. And, uh, you know, you just, you just want to avoid them. You know, we, we, we want a team that turns it over a bunch. You know, we, we want a team that's not going to take a ton of threes. You know, anybody out there like that, our length should be, should be able to shut them down. Um, I'm looking at the scores for tonight's game. Unfortunately, uh, Army already lost, so they got bounced out of the Patriot League. Uh, my, my grandfather played at Army, so I'm always kind of rooting for them. Um, let's see, uh, North Florida got knocked off, so that's an upset in the um, Atlantic Sun Conference. So they're going to play Liberty, who is the who's the one seed. It's a pretty good team. They'll probably be like twelve or thirteen, um, you know. But if but if Lipscomb could could knock off a team like Liberty, that's way better for uh, the fifteen or fourteen seeds because you know you're gonna everything's gonna kind of get bumped up a slot. And you, you, you'll you'll just get a weaker team. So I'll, I'll be interested to to watch a little bit more of these games and and maybe kind of scout to see who who could give uh you know florida state a little bit of trouble i'll be honest i i have not given you know delaware state a proper scout this year or maybe maybe oakland um so this is the this this is the week to do that I'm, i am disappointed in you Mike. I, I thought you actually watched basketball all week long uh no i so i've seen florida state mentioned with arkansas little rock a few times and, and you know you can go find a hundred different brackets to look so we could probably find florida state mentioned with every single one of these teams but the NCAA committee does like to try to keep these uh, smaller conference teams closer geographically so that they're not flying across the country. So, uh, you know, Arkansas Little Rock in the Sun Belt, it is a team that could potentially go to Tampa. And so you mentioned, well, we're looking for teams that, that turn it over. They are, they are 332nd in the country at turning the ball over, over 22% of the time. That, that does not sound like it would be a recipe for, for success against Florida State. But but they also are second in the entire country at getting to the free throw line. Almost half their att- so the free throw attempts to field goal attempts ratio for them is forty five percent. So you know not not to think that uh, we would should be overly concerned about Arkansas Little Rock, but that's a team that certainly could get Florida State in foul trouble. And the more we're in foul trouble, the more we see our guys sitting on the bench. And, and not doing what they need to do, which is creating turnovers and scoring. So, uh, yeah, if you're watching the A-Sun tournament, maybe you want to root against Arkansas Little Rock. Although maybe you think, you know what, give me those 22% of the turnovers and, and we'll turn that into a dunk fest. Uh, speaking of, of championship weeks, so the ACC tournament is coming up on uh, – it starts on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, is it Tuesday or Wednesday? And, and 
There's some Tuesday games. Yeah, yeah, Tuesday. And so Georgia Tech has actually, they are no longer going to be eligible for it. They decided that they were going to sacrifice their opportunity this year to potentially play in the NIT in exchange for a chance to play in the NCAA tournament next season. So there's only going to be 14 teams in the ACC tournament this year. And, and we've, we've run the scenarios here. But basically, Florida State's win over Notre Dame was pretty big. And Syracuse's win earlier in the week was also pretty big because Florida State already has a win over Syracuse. And there's a, there's a great site out there that was – it's linked in the article that Perry had with the, with the path to the championship or the one seed. We can talk about – I think it was it, – it's bballsomething.net. Uh, we can link it in this one too. The bottom line is it's a scenario generator. And I cannot find, Michael, a scenario where we lose uh, a tiebreaker. There, there is a scenario where we don't get the one seed, and that's where we lose to Boston College and Louisville wins against Virginia. Louisville and Florida State have the same record right now, so if Louisville wins and Florida State loses, we are not the one seed. Uh, Louisville would win the conference outright. But if there is a a two-way tie, a three-way tie, a four-way tie, we haven't been able to identify a scenario in which these final seven ACC games play out to where Florida State would, would lose that tiebreak even if they lose to Boston College, because uh, in order for there to be a tiebreak, Louisville would have to lose to Virginia. And once you start doing all the mechanisms and comparing the records and whatnot, you end up uh, finding out that Florida State has a better record against the fifth-place teams than Virginia does. So we would still be the one seed. So basically what we're rooting for here is a Florida State win against Boston College means that we are the one seed. We, we, we are tied at the very least tied for the ACC regular season title. And we are the one seed, a Florida state loss. And you need Louisville to also lose a very losable game at Virginia. And Florida state would then also be the one seed. So I ask you, Michael, is Florida state going to lose to Boston college? There is no chance that Florida state is actually, I should not. You, don't you, don't you put that, that juju on us now. Don't say <laughs> right. that. Take it uh, back. There is, there is very small chance that Florida, Florida State's going to be probably like a 17, 18 point favorite somewhere in there. I mean, this, this is like, you know, 95 to 98% probability that they, would, that they win this game. Um, it's senior night. Uh, BC's had some, some injured guys. So, yeah, I, I think that. Uh, you know, I, you, you never want to count, count things be, be, before it happens, but Florida State is in very good position, um, you know, to, to win at least a share of the ACC regular season, and that would make them obviously the one seed um, in, in, in the ACC tournament. And then if, and if, if Virginia takes down Louisville, then Florida State is, you know, the, atop the conference all alone, you know, so assuming that we can knock out BC. So we sure, certainly have um, an easier path to this thing than Louisville does. Um, and I, I have to say that I like that I like our chances not to get ahead of myself on the pod, but when it comes down to prediction time, yeah, I'll be predicting a Florida State win. Yeah, for those of you who haven't been following Boston College this year, it's probably because somehow Florida State managed to play in a ni- 19 games of a 20-game ACC schedule without playing Boston College. So, so here we are in our 20th game playing Boston College for the first time. 
And I don't know how that quite, I feel like if I was the schedule maker, I would want to make sure that all the teams played once before I started having some teams play twice, but I'm, I'm guessing they've got TV and other things on their mind. But so Boston college uh, d- does not have a ton of talent. They, you, Derek Thornton is someone who originally started at Duke. I think eventually made his way to USC. He's back now on the East coast. Um, and he was a highly rated recruit. He has had varying levels of success in college. Um, but so they started off the year. Okay. They were eight and five at one point coming off a win over California. They had beaten, they actually beat Notre Dame in Notre Dame earlier in December by one point. Uh, so, so, you know, Notre Dame's had a lot, a lot of close losses. They beat a similar South Florida. We, we played South Florida, struggled against them, and, and they, they really handled South Florida on the road. And throughout the year, they've sort of had these weird <laughs> – I don't know. They beat Virginia on January 7th at home, and, and then they did nothing for five games. And then they, they managed to beat Virginia Tech, uh, and then they've sort of lost a few. They're currently coming in on a four-game losing streak. They are 13-17 and 17 overall. They're seven and twelve in the ACC. They they just got beat by Syracuse uh, by thirteen, and and so they, they are not playing well. Is there something that they do well? I, I'm trying to. I'm looking at their profile here. I, it seems like they create a decent amount of steals, but uh, I mean, what what does Boston College do? Let's say at least mediocre. Yeah, they do turn teams over, which which. You know, Florida State has, especially in their losses, has, has had uh, the the bad habit of turning teams over. They don't; they're forty sixth in the nation. It's not like they turn teams over at you know Florida State's rate. But uh, beyond that, they don't they don't do a lot of they don't do a lot of great things. Uh, they uh, you know are are uh, I'd say not a terrible shooting team, but they're not a good shooting team. And I mean they're. 31 percent uh from deep on on the year uh they they have their own turnover problems they're not a great rebounding team you know this is this is a team that unless something weird happens you know florida state should should handle them you mentioned Derek thornton you know he was a five-star recruit i think he was the 14th rated recruit in the nation so you know kudos to jim christian he has as many five stars on his roster as florida state has on has on theirs uh and so so what you're looking at typically in games like this is there's gonna be the potential for one guy you know to just have a career night and you know and that's that's what it takes to uh, you know, pull this kind of upset, and and they are an ACC team. I mean, they've they've got some guys. You know, they certainly have some some players who can, uh, you know, are ca- are capable of having those big games. We've seen it against Boston College before. Uh, they just they just haven't been able to do it consistently this year. And um, you know, they're also, I mean, they're Boston College. They're, yeah, well, they're Boston College, and there's no Kai Bowman, there's no Jerome Robinson, but both of them are playing in the NBA. Uh, there's no Jordan Chapman even. So they're not, you know, they're not even the Boston college maybe that we've seen a few years ago. And then those teams didn't even make the NCAA tournament, but they're not even those Boston college teams Uh, they do. They do have seven ACC wins. So, so that's, you know, more than UNC has. So there's that, but yeah, they, they don't do a whole lot. Well, I'll be interested to see personally just their free throw shooting. I, I've kind of got this uh, insider's bet with myself that teams continue to 
overachieve not just getting to the free throw line, but actually shooting from the free throw line against us. They shoot 65% on the season. I'll be interested to see if Boston College tops that. But overall, they, they don't do a, a whole lot well. And, and given that Florida State is uh, – you ready for this one, Michael? 14-3 uh, and three under Leonard Hamilton on senior day. So that, that's 14-3. and three. The last loss came in 2014 against a, a good Syracuse team. They lost in 2011 – to, to a really good North Carolina team on a, on a buzzer beater. And they lost to Duke the second year uh, under Hamilton uh, 2000, in 2004, uh, an elite Duke team. So they, they are 14-3 and three is a pretty darn good record on, on the senior day. And, and given that, that Florida State is undefeated at home this year, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that Boston College has a tall order on their hands. And so that would that would lead to Florida State at least sharing the ACC regular season title for the first time in school history. Uh, is it time for a projection or, or a prediction, or is there anything else you want to say about this this Eagles team that you know someone we should watch out? Like who's that guy that could have a career game? Maybe maybe Popovich. Yeah, so they they in their most recent game, Syracuse, they actually had three players miss the game. Hmm. You know, Popovich, and then both the Hamiltons, who are who are pretty good players. Um, they're all kind of dinged up, lingering injuries. I would expect them to to play against Florida State, uh, but you know, they they one's a knee, one's an ankle, and then Popovich is his back. You know, they they could all be. Uh, struggling a little bit, you know, if, if they are having to play through injuries. But the guy that I'm really intrigued with at Boston College is this freshman by the name of Jay Heath. I think he's had like 15 or 16 consecutive double-digit games. He uh, is either, depending on who you talk to, he's either the best player in the D.C. area last year or the, the second best player in the D.C. area. Um, I, I would go with second. But anyway, he uh, is, is a freshman who is coming on strong, and he is a tough kid. I mean, you, you're going to be impressed with his game. He's he's 6'3", probably weighs about 180, but he is he just goes in, plays with reckless abandon. And if they are looking for a guy who's going to be the next Kai Bowman, then it seems pretty clear that that Heath is 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 the one, and he's also the best three point shooter on the team. So he's in ACC play. He's knocked down thirty eight percent, and as you know, you start uh, adding some volume to that, and you know anybody can can we we just we just watched a thirty two percent shooter go five of nine against Florida State in the Notre Dame game, you know. So you know Jay Heath is certainly capable of. You know, having one of the, one of these games where where uh, you know he he knocks in five or six or seven threes. I think they made nineteen threes against Syracuse and still managed to lose by double digits. Uh, so yeah, they they've they they can they can uh, you know they've got some guys, and I I think he's probably the one. And then Derek Thornton is obviously you know another guy to to track. He's he's quick. You know, he's 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 quicker than anybody on our team. Um, he's also a very high. Uh, um, uh, volume and pretty low efficiency. So the 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 odds of him, uh, you know, suddenly turning into uh, John Morant or at least John Morant when he's not playing Florida State um, is pretty small. You know, I, I think that he's part. He's you know he could easily put up like you know eighteen shots and you know make five or something like that. Yeah, Derek, Derek Thornton, I think, is more like a poor man's Dennis Smith, maybe than he is uh, than he is John Morant. But you know, Heath Heath is look. 
Heath's going to make some threes. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now that Jay Heath is going to make a few threes, and you're going to say, who, who is this guy that is over here in the corner or, or the wing making threes? He, he's made at least two threes, not at least one three, at least two threes in, in seven consecutive games, and he's made a three in every game going back to mid-January. Uh, and, and some of those games, he's got four threes, uh, five threes against Syracuse. So th- this kid's going to make threes. Unfortunately, as you just said, Syracuse or Boston College can make a lot of threes and still still lose. They 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 do turn it over a bit. I mean, look, you, you could have Jay Heath go, let's say, uh, five for twelve from three. Well, that's fifteen points. Where where are you gonna score your other sixty? Because uh, because Florida State typically plays and shoots pretty well at home. So. I guess we'll we'll come to prediction time, and may, maybe I'll ask it this. I think we're both going to say that that Florida State is going to win the game. So uh, let me, if if I told you that that Florida State was going to be a uh, let's say seventeen and a half point favorite, uh, does Florida State cover or not? Well, Florida State's you know seems to be allergic to to really blowing out ACC teams. And I, I, until I see them do otherwise, I'm just going to have to assume that, that, you know, this is going to be one of those games. It's like 12 points or 14 points or something. So I, I, if I were a betting man and I am not, I would probably take BC and the points depending on, you know, depending on what it is when when the line actually comes out. Yeah. I, I mean, so when was what Miami, is that the last team that we, we really kind of blew out uh, the Miami home game? Right, I think we the second half we just sort of eviscerated them. Yeah, but even that was still eighteen points. You know, it's not like you know some sometimes you see Duke go out and beat people by win 40 by thirty five. Yeah, yeah, we just don't we just don't seem to do that for whatever reason. Yeah, so I I would agree that we are not like I mean yeah, and it looks like so Clemson we beat by nineteen in the home game. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna. I would be surprised if we won by more than twenty. I know I set the line at 17 and a half. I will, I will say that Florida State leads by 20 at some point in the game, but I will also say that Florida State wins by, I'll call it 13, maybe, maybe uh, 82 to, uh, what was the quick math here, 82 to 69. Uh, how, about, how about that? It sounds like you're saying our, our, our guys, the Green Vipers, are going to blow it there at, at the end. Yeah. Oh man! Now you're gonna now you're gonna get the green vipers on me. <laughs> I don't know, don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm a good thing. I'll just you know what hit up uh, Michael Rogner Twitter if you have something to say about that one. Uh, so yeah, well this will this will be fun. Uh, it, it is. I hope for for Leonard Hamilton and and Trent Forrest and the guys say you know what Dom too. Dom gets another senior night that they are able to run this record to 15 and three on on senior day and that Florida State is able to celebrate in a way that they haven't been able to do before. Um, I, I think this would make – I had, does Mike Bray have a, an ACC regular season title? I don't believe so, right? Uh, not – no, no, no. no. I, 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 we need to fact check this. Maybe we can uh, turn it into a, to the next pod if it actually happens. This might make Leonard Hamilton uh, the first coach or one of, one of only a couple – to have at least a share of the Big East regular season title and the ACC regular season title, uh, he he did win win a share one of those with, with Miami. So that that would be 
an impressive feat for college basketball if you if you are able to win the Big East and the ACC. So, so for, for Michael, this is Matt. We we hope wish you well in, in watching the senior senior day game against Boston College, and and we will be back to talk next time tournament time. After this, it's it's all winner go home. So so we will be back.